Part 1. Dusk Crept Through the Greenwood Angel I'm starting to get worried. Martes's face seems to be sort of fluctuating in the light fog induced by my four pints of Guinness, his hands resting on the table close to mine. I can see the dark hairs on the back of his hand, his sexy, bony finger joints, and his slightly distended veins. My hand slides toward his, and as if our hands were somehow joined together under the table, his moves away in a flash, like a crab into its hole. I look him in the eyes. His face wears a friendly, open, and understanding smile. He seems at once infinitely lovable and completely unknown. His eyes are computer icons, expressionless diagrams with infinite wonders behind them, but only for the elect, those able to log on. So why did you ask me out for a drink? What did you have in mind? Martes leans back in his chair, so relaxed, so carefree. Some good conversation. Nothing more. He looks at me as if I've exposed something new about myself, something disturbing but paltry, a bit compromising but not something that will inexorably affect a good working relationship. It's more as if my deodorant were inadequate. I have to tell you honestly that I'm not up for it. My heart starts pounding and my tongue responds on reflex, acting faster than my brain. It was you who began it. When we were little and there was a schoolyard fight, the most important thing was whose fault it was, who began it. And as I go on, Martis looks at me as if I weren't responsible for my behavior. I'd never have let myself in for this if you hadn't shown me so clearly you were up for it. As I've told you, I'm hot shit at avoiding emotional hang-ups. If I've really no good reason to think the other person's interested, I don't let anything happen. Not a thing. Hell, I don't even think it. Memories are crowding through my mind while I'm sounding off. Too angrily, I know. I'm recalling the feel of Martis in my arms, his erection through the cloth of his pants as we leaned on the Tamarkoski River Bridge railings that dark night. I can still feel his mouth on mine, tasting of cigarettes and Guinness, his mustache scratching my upper lip, and it makes my head start to reel. Martes reaches for his cigarettes, takes one, flicks it into his mouth, lights his zippo, and inhales deeply, with deep enjoyment. I can't help it if I'm the sort of person people project their own dreams and wishes onto. In his opinion, nothing has happened. In his opinion, it's all in my imagination. I crawl home at midnight, staggering and limping. It's both the beer and the wound deep inside me. Tipsily, I'm licking my wound like a cat. My thought probes it like a loose tooth, inviting the dull, sweet pain over and over again. Dreams and wishes that won't stand the light of day. The street lamps sway in the wind. As I turn in through the gateway from Puniki Square, sleet and crushed lime leaves blow in with me. There's loud talk in the corner of the yard. A loathsome bunch of kids are up to something in the corner by the trash cans, 
Young oafs, jeans hanging off their asses, and their tattered windbreakers have lifted to show bare skin. They've got their backs to me, and one of them's goading another, using that tone they have when they're challenging someone to perform some deed of daring. This time it's to do with something I can't see at their feet. Normally I'd give thugs like these a wide berth. They make my flesh crawl. They're just the sort that make me hunch up my shoulders if I pass them in the street, knowing I can expect some foul-mouthed insult. But just now, because of Martis, because I don't give a damn about anything, and with my blood alcohol count up, I go up to them. This is private property. It belongs to the apartment building. Trespassers will be prosecuted. A few heads turn. They sneer, and then their attention goes back to whatever's at their feet. Afraid it'll bite? One asks another. Give it a kick!